Because spring has sprung and we're turning a new leaf. This is MuggleCast episode 264 for April 28th, 2013. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 264. We're in our final countdown. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Sorry to start the show off on a note like that, but Micah, Eric, and I are here. We have uh, a couple news items to talk about. We got Pottermore and we got some voicemails. Oh, yeah. I have some thoughts on Pottermore, and I'm going to try to stay positive about it this time. Hey, positive. You try. New I want you to try. I cannot promise the same thing. <laughs> we're we're operating like a swear jar now here on MuggleCast, but it's for like the Pottermore negative jar. And we have to pay a quarter every time we're negative about Pottermore. So we may still make some comments that don't sit right with people who really love Pottermore, but we're paying the jar. I just thought it's springtime, new leaves are on the trees, everything's blooming. I thought I would bloom into something more beautiful, and that would be somebody who likes Pottermore. And also, something beautiful is the royal family of England. Yes. They visited the Harry Potter studio tour the other day, Micah. Did you know this? I I heard about this, yeah. And J.K. Rowling just happened to be there. Well, of course it was planned. (laughs) <laughs> so do you want to tell us about this are you still our newsman <laughs> i don't really think it's it's right for me to be the news person anymore all right you're fired i'm gone muggle cast 264 it ends here you know why what? can't there might you be, be the newsman anymore there might be something or rather someone who agrees with you andrew what are you uh, as talking far about? as my uh, knowledge of the the harry potter world is concerned these days oh god I actually guest hosted uh, an episode of Alohomora, which is a uh, a podcast over on MuggleNet, just like ours and uh, MuggleNet Academia. And uh, for for people out there who may not have heard of them, I definitely suggest giving them a listen. They do some really great in depth analysis of the series, going chapter by chapter. And um, so I was on the show, and I thought I did a great job because let's face it, how long have I been doing this now? Eight you're years. A, seven you're seven years, eight years. You're a seasoned yeah. pro. Over over 260 episodes. You know, I've spoken to David Heyman, David Yates, <laughs> wow, Warwick Davis. Name right? Dropping. I mean, come on. Well, you okay. did lose that duel, Micah. You, Maybe you that, lost that yeah, duel. I did. But look, no, you know what it was? I gave it to David Heyman. I mean, yeah. <laughs> how are you going to have him on the show and not have him win the duel? <laughs> it was rigged. It was so, it's fake. But anyway, here, this is the point. Uh, Amy H from wrote a review on iTunes, which is four stars. And she says, love the show, but screen your guests better. The best part about your show is that you know so much and can share so much insight about the HP world. 
You also usually have guests who present different viewpoints and remember different information, thereby improving the conversation as a whole. Your recent episode with Micah, spelling question mark, did not live up to that. He didn't know much at all and kept rehashing a weird, horrible, fan fiction-esque joke so much that I almost turned off the episode partway through. Stick with people who can enhance the episode. I didn't feel like this guy did so. Love learning about HP, though, and hope to hear many more. So that that was a review of Acad- of um, Alohomora? That was a review of the episode I was on on Alohomora. You've Man, lost tough, your touch. Tough break, Micah. Yeah. Tough break. I must have lost my touch. You I have. can't enhance the episode. Well, try to win people back today. I'm sure you have lots of interesting try. commentary I'm not going to say one bad thing about Pottermore. I'm not going to say one bad thing oh. about J.K. Rowling. Oh, okay. and definitely, whatever you do, don't mention fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, what is that? Well, why, I have no idea. What people were all about that? So <laughs> certain people. So, like uh, Eric alluded to, the royal family visited the Harry Potter studio tour. It was kind of a nice little surprise. I don't think we knew it was going to happen. Um, Kate Middleton, Prince William, Prince Harry—they were the three of them were there for. An inauguration. It's the Duke of Cambridge's inauguration. I don't know exactly what that means, inaugurating a, a place, but they, they gave a little speech about how, um, what Harry Potter's done for the British film industry. And then they had a tour and they went around the Harry Potter sets and they hopped on the Batmobile because, or the Bat Cycle, whatever that is, because, um, that's at the WB Studio Tour as well. And great pictures and J.K. Rowling was there and in the background of one of them you can see, um, Neil, her husband, David Heyman, David Yates, and Mike Newell. Mike Newell, of course, the Goblet of Fire director. David Yates, the um, Order of the Phoenix through Deathly Hollows director. Um, how how must that be to be them and just get a call saying, "Hey, you want to come over to Leavesden? We're going to get you know Kate Middleton, Prince William, Prince Harry over here." Yeah. And like Leavesden, where they lived for like years and years and years, and now that's just like this tourist you know place. And well, they're going to go and meet the queen, you know, meet the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. I also wonder if this was J.K. Rowling's first time at the studio tour, because if you think about it, we've never <laughs> seen photos of her at the. I'm serious, we've never seen so, s- photos of her at the studio tour. Not even the red carpet grand opening. I don't think she, she was there. She's avoided the, like the plague. I don't know why. Well, it it took. Uh, she was Kate... probably writing the casual vacancy. Yeah, oh, that's maybe. true. Yeah, yeah, but uh, what, yeah, just I'm making be... that up. I don't really know if that's the truth or not. <laughs> Of well, course the not. thing of it is, like, honestly, though, we've heard nothing but great reviews. I mean, have you, Andrew, have you gotten a bad review of the studio tour? I mean, everybody seems to really love it. Yeah, the, the only complaint I'm aware of is that it's not the theme park. Because <laughs> all the Brits seem to be like, <laughs> why isn't there a theme park here? <laughs> we made the books and films. Uh, but yeah, everybody really likes the studio tour. And I wanted to mention, I'm looking at the, the post on Hypeable, and there's video of Kate Middleton and Prince William dueling. Yeah, they, it looks like they had fun with their, uh, they, they were giving some wands and there's some photos of them pointing their wands up in the sky and. She better be cute. careful. Isn't she pregnant? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that couldn't be good for the baby. You know, I have sources there who tell me in that photo of J.K. Rowling and, uh, uh, Kate Middleton that Kate is actually trying to get her to come on MuggleCast. <laughs> and J.K. Rowling apparently still saying no. So. Yes, I could caption this photo. You'd like it. Yeah. Can I just say though, I've been I've been very impressed by the response of our listeners who have tweeted at J.K. Rowling asking her to come on to the show before we wrap up in August. Yes. 
Thank yes, your you. challenge was met with, I'd say, a, a, a renowned, resounding response. Yeah, and it's been really fun to retweet those on the MuggleCast Twitter to to <laughs> so to to continue uh, riling up the troops. And one person said, "You know, I don't think the Twitter thing's going to work." And I said, I replied, I was like, "I know. Don't worry. We're trying other channels as well. This is just a fun <laughs> public way to try and get her." <laughs> <laughs> In this picture here, do you think J.K. Rowling is saying to Kate? Hey, let me tell you about what it's like to be queen. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, maybe Passing she's... of the torch, symbolic, metaphoric. They were uh, both wearing polka dots that day. I see Joe in a coat. I don't see her polka dots. Well, if you but... look at her lower half, she's wearing... A... If you scroll through the pictures and there's another one and her skirt is also oh, polka yeah. dots. What? Oh, stop it, Mike. You said her lower half. What do you, what do you mean yelling at me? Well, I... This just... is why you're not enhancing the episode right now, Mike. Yes, I am. <laughs> But I, I doubt they planned that. I'm sure that was a happy coincidence, and they had. Oh my god, I do see it. Yes, Joe is in polka, slightly larger polka dots though. Yes, but she's more seasoned. So. Representative of her financial wealth compared to Kate. Yeah, <laughs> the width, the diameter of the polka dot. Yeah, but everybody loved those pictures. They were all around Facebook and Twitter that day. Uh, I think that was yeah. on Friday. So, but this is going to become a trend, though, isn't it? When you have celebrities. Uh, and I guess in this case, more dignitaries, but celebrities visit the studio tour, just like with the theme park down in Orlando and soon to be L.A. You always get these alerts, these photos that surface of celebrities going on rides and mm-hmm. doing the tour and stuff like that. Yeah. But this one, this is as big as it can get in England, I think. Yeah. This is huge. British and, um, royalty. I'm signed up. I'm signed up for uh, for press from the studio tour, and they sent an email, and they were like, "We have really, really, really big news." Um, and it was, and it was this. So this is this is a big deal, and you know, for for David Heyman, David Yates to show up and and be present as sort of the figureheads, the people who are behind, the, you know, what they were essentially about to see when they were walking in, and, and then saw. Um, it's just really cool, you know. It was like a um, almost like a royal wedding. I wanted to say, except it wasn't televised. It was just, you know, an official stately event. It's pretty cool. Has uh has President Obama gone over there? I know that his daughters had visited the set at one point, but I don't know if they've been to the or have they? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um that would yeah. be an interesting question. I feel like that's not a priority for President Obama. <laughs> maybe his <laughs> daughters like and world. Maybe hunger. in a couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah. Three, four more years. Then he could go. We're going to continue with the news in just a moment, but first, it is time to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible is the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of MuggleCast, Audible is offering you a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. I have a timely recommendation for you this week, The Great... Gatsby. It is about to be released in theaters this May. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio in the lead role. Now, the audiobook version is narrated by, you'll never guess this, Jake Gyllenhaal, of all people. <laughs> he narrated this this new version that has been released to time with the theatrical version of the story by F. Scott Fitzgerald. You can get it for absolutely free by visiting audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. Now that it's summertime, we're all going to be spending more time out and about, enjoying the warm weather. And maybe you're walking around, maybe you um, don't want to carry a book around. 
maybe when you're walking the dog or just going on a walk or a run or, uh, you know, sitting out at the beach, closing your eyes, sitting by the lake, by the creek, by the river. All you got to do is pop in your earbuds and listen to a book rather than actually reading it. Very, very great service, especially now for summertime when people are spending more time outdoors just relaxing. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast to get an audiobook. Perhaps The Great Gatsby narrated by Jake Gyllenhaal. I love that he narrated this one for absolutely free. Audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. We thank Audible for their support of the show. Uh, Mike, I mentioned the theme park a moment ago. There are a couple theme park updates. First of all, the Hollywood one. Um, that's officially going to happen now. It was announced in December 2011, and they said they were going to do it. But it only got green lit a couple uh, days ago by green NBC. <laughs> so now su- uh, construction is going to begin summer 2013, so this summer. And uh, there's no opening date yet, but it's probably going to be like 2015. I assume like so this is California summer. you're talking about? Yeah, the Hollywood Wizarding World, which mm-hmm. is probably going to be somewhat of a clone. It's not going to have I mean, I don't know how they don't have much room. So, they're not going to be building that Dueling Dragons coaster. They're definitely going to have Forbidden Journey. We know that, and I assume they'll have the the Hagrid ride as well. Yeah. Buckbeak. Um but and the shops. So this I think this is going to be a smaller one of Orlando. Well, you always said there was no room, but aren't they actually tearing down an amphitheater or yeah, something? Yeah, they're taking out the Gibson Amphitheater. I mean, but, that's a pretty big deal. That's a lot of space. Yeah, it, but but it's but they had they had zero space to build this, so they have to oh, knock okay. out something. So yeah, it's not like they have a lot of land to work with to begin with, and the Gibson Theater. It's just that they have no land. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So um, yeah, they're knocking out that and uh, the Curious George ride and yes, the Water World. I, have, I thing. saw an angry tweet. It was like, "F you, Curious George, <laughs> <laughs> move in, Harry Potter." Woo! And I was like, "That's a little harsh for the monkey." Okay. Curious George was big time back in the day. Yeah. Okay. You remember People's- this, Micah? You're telling us a story. Yeah. But, Absolutely. Um, and Dan there's Nor- no more to that story. That's it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> it was big in its day. I believe you, man. The, the man in the yellow hat, the big yellow hat. Down in, I remember or- that kind of from my childhood, a little before me. Down in Orlando, there's the expansion happening there, the London slash Diagon Alley land at Universal Studios, and they're making big progress. I mean. If you look at these photos, there are, I mean, all the, it's, it's completely vertical now. You can see the London waterfront, the, how, how the buildings are going to line the London waterfront. You can see platform nine and three quarters, um, because of the archway. It's just, um, really coming together really quickly. It's rumored to be opening next summer in June or July. And, um, is that why Leaky Con is going there? Next year? I don't know. You would think you would. Yeah, that must somebody be why. have some inside information we don't know about. <laughs> no, that just must be why. No. <laughs> well, it's they're. I don't know if they have like reliable inside sources, but it's the fair guess. Hmm. Um. And yeah, I agree. Somebody told MuggleNet that there's going to be an announcement in another four or five weeks. I think at this point. So yeah, they were down. Um, some of the MuggleNet staff was down, and I don't have the full story either. I haven't talked to them yet, but um, they were down in Orlando for the um the Quidditch World Cup, which was in Kissimmee, Florida, 
And they went to Orlando and, um, started talking with some of the staff and they got some, some confirmations, I guess, that there would in fact be a Gringotts cart coaster. And so we were saying for a while, like what rides could they do in the muggle world? The muggle world's typically pretty boring. Um, but having the Diagon Alley side of, of things instead of just the Hogsmeade, they could do a Gringotts ride. So we were looking forward to that. Yeah. And I still think it'll be based on the Deadly Hallows part two scene. I think so too, considering what Bellatrix was there, or they were filming right. scenes for the train as well, right? Yeah, but the Bellatrix thing, that would make sense if it's going to be, the, I forgot all about that. The, the, Getting uh, into her vault and yeah. stuff like that, because, yeah, something like that. I think you're right. And then if they do have her on the train, it would be like, I believe the news was that there were multiple sequences so that maybe some different things happen to you when you're on the train at different times. Yeah. So maybe one time you'll get there safely, another time the Death Eaters will board the train or something. <laughs> I don't know. You got a ticket refund if you don't make it all the way to the, the other <laughs> and side. then you don't have to buy a park pass. They're just like we'll let we'll let you out here, or maybe the lady will come by with a trolley and make you buy park passes if you want to go in between. Well, I'm kind of imagining it'll also be like um, the Star Tours ride at Disneyland, where there's the new version of it. There's multiple storylines and outcomes. It's like completely random each time, so you get different stories each time. Um, so I'm thinking maybe it could be something like that. I just, this train idea just sounds like a mess to me because, you know, it's, it's going to hold a limited. Positive, Andrew. Positive. Well, it's, well, yeah, but I, it's going to hold a limited number of people. Imagine how many people are going to be wanting to ride this train. Like the wait is going to be so long for this like 10 minute ride. Of course, it'll be cool and everybody will want to do it. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it seems like the ride capacity is not going to be very high. I, 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 uh, I have a headache just thinking about waiting, waiting in line already. It's like yeah. taking the subway in New York. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Only uh, with more space to move around. Eric, you touched on this a little bit, but do you think maybe you could see different scenarios play out depending on the actual time of day? So morning versus in the evening, you'd have different uh, scenarios playing out. Uh, maybe, but what, what kind of thing would they do? Like morning versus scarier night? stuff at night. I, I don't. Oh, know. I wonder. That would be interesting if it was like for time of day. But yeah, I mean, if you if you want to, if the line is long, like Andrew's saying, you can wait in the morning and get on at night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did so, such a great job with Forbidden Journey, and that's a good point, Micah, because when you're riding this train, you're not going to be able to look out real windows. By the way, I don't know if, if in case people forget, the train is going to connect Isla, the the existing Wizarding World with the new. Diagon Alley land. They're both in set, they're in separate parks. So you're going to take this train and there's this train track that runs behind Universal. You're not going to be able to look out the real windows because you would just see buildings. So that would be lame. So it's going to be virtual. So yeah, Micah, like when you're riding that at night, you would think that the scenes are going to be all nighttime scenes versus. Yeah, it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. How about people to play out roles on the train itself? Mm-hmm. Similar Ooh. to characters that we see at the Wizarding World right now, and nobody really comes to mind other than the wizard in Ollivander's shop and the Durmstrang and Bobaton. Yeah. And the train conductor. Performers. Everybody loves the train oh, yeah. conductor. Can't forget about the train conductor. But they do have strong He's going to have a job now. He can't just stand outside <laughs> the Hogwarts Express. <laughs> see, I wonder <laughs> they if they're going to... him out of a job. I wonder if they're going to keep that train there. Probably not. Yeah, I'm split it on that. Because that's such a great photo opportunity, and you won't be able yeah. to stand in front of the real train, obviously, once once the real one's there. So I feel like they they may actually keep it. I think yeah, I agree. I agree with that. 
It'll be, be interesting. Right. I'm excited to see all the changes. So are, are we anticipating a another grand reopening in this case? I certainly am. I, I called dibs on getting the MuggleNet Pass to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm really interested. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, considering last time, well, there were two, there were several, I feel like, grand openings throughout the, the years. But the most recent one was the um, home entertainment celebration when the eighth film came out on DVD. And they just rolled a red carpet out like from the center of Hogsmeade all the way out to past the Sinbad thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And they kind of, you know, the environment fit. But for Universal, why why wouldn't they, right? They have City Walk. They have their whole hotel experience. I guarantee you that'll be another big event for that. I have a oh, very yeah. serious question. Will they move Ollivanders? I think that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, I think there's speculation about that. They should just have it in both plans. I think that's the practical or rather the um capitalist thing to do is be like, this was Ollivander's Hogsmeade outpost and always was, but they'll probably build another one and also have it in Diagon Alley at the same time. Because wands are among kind of like, the I wouldn't say the coolest merchandise, but a lot of people really dig them. And the line for that was so long always, and you have to stand outside to wait to get in. So it's true. Having two will maybe alleviate that. That's a good point. A little bit, <clears throat> even though it's two separate parks, so it may not alleviate it at all. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last time I was in the park at Universal in Florida. It was probably August, um, last August during Ascendio. But even then, the Harry Potter merchandise had completely overtaken the regular Universal Studios gift shops. Um, which I was, I was blown away, but there just really wasn't enough shelf room in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter to cover all the merchandise that you could possibly, um, get. And so it was duplicated and repeated even over in the regular park where you cannot access the Wizarding World without having an Islands of Adventure pass and going into Islands of Adventure. Back in Universal Studios, those gift shops too were overrun with, you know, Quidditch, um, gear and house scarves and, and all that other stuff. So, Clearly, Harry Potter has just completely overtaken. It's like Harry fever all over again, but the regular park. And that was long before, like you're saying, with the, you know, the wizarding, the regular muggle world side of it isn't even open yet. And already I've just seen all this Harry Potter stuff everywhere. So I'm sure it'll be huge whenever it happens. Okay. So let's move on. One other news item today. Chris Columbus, he released a, his first children's book titled House of Secrets. Which I keep wanting to call House of Cards, because the Netflix show. <laughs> but uh, Eric, you went to a book signing, I think, of his, right? I was at a book signing. He came to um, a place called Winnetka, Illinois, which is on the North Shore, uh, north of Chicago. And it's actually not too far from Wilmette and some of the filming locations for uh, Home Alone. So he was really happy um, to be back. And as it turns out, he's got a bunch of um, in-laws and stuff up here. So a lot of his family was at this book signing. But it was really cool. He did a um, a short you know, talk about how the book came to be. He's co-writing uh, what's going to be a trilogy with uh, another young adult author named Ned Vizzini. And he just kind of, you know, it was a short event. Um, he talked for maybe 20 minutes and then read an excerpt of his book, which is really good, guys, and I, I just want to give this my recommendation. I don't know if an audiobook's been released yet, but I do have audio of him reading his book. Um, but yeah, he, he read a chapter Does he know from that it. you have that audio? No, no, he doesn't. Um, but surprise! No. Uh, actually, J.K. Rowling wrote on the front cover. Her quote appears on the front cover. Obviously, it says, uh, a breakneck roller coaster of an adventure. 
And uh, so J.K. Rowling really liked this book. I really like this book. I'm only about 100 pages in, um, but it's about two um, – well, it's about three siblings, and it's two girls and a boy. And they both – actually, let me – no. Yes, I think so. Give me a moment. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, it's about two girls and a boy. So it is a trio, and I actually brought that up to him in a Q&A. He was kind of offended. He was like, everybody says it's always a trio. You know, Percy Jackson's a trio. Harry Potter's a trio. Um, but no, he just said that the dynamic works really well for the trio. And I get that being a writer and all that, but, um, it's a really good book. It's fantasy. It's about these young siblings who, um, essentially their father was a surgeon and something happened and he lost his job and now they're having to relocate, but they relocate to actually this surprisingly affordable, mysterious old mansion. And it's got, it's like in San Francisco with a view of the Golden Gate Bridge and before they know it, they're lost in this house, which used to belong to an old fantasy author himself. So they find themselves in like the old world of this fantasy author. And it's really, really quite cool. Um, you know, just really another good children's book. This is kind of the book I expected J.K. Rowling's next book to be, you know, because it's like it's really enjoyable for kids. It's an action adventure and something like that. So Chris Columbus, the director of the first two Harry Potter films, is now a children's author. Did you invite him on MuggleCast when you met him? Uh, no, but I have his publicist contact info, so we can possibly get him on to talk about it. Yeah, we should try that. Yeah. Um, we should We should probably cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's fine. Uh, so we have a video on Hypable. One of our readers attended his uh, New York City event at Union Square, actually, where we've podcasted a couple times. Oh, no way. And um, he spoke about how he got help from J.K. Rowling. He said, I sent... Joe Rowling, the man you, by the way, he says Rowling in the video, which is like, ah, <laughs> oh, come on, man. So he said, I sent Joe Rowling the manuscript of this when we finished it for some advice. She gave me some advice that we were moving too fast and there was some character work that needed to be put in because the story was at too much of a roller coaster pace. So we made some of those changes. And then a few weeks later, I got an email from her and it was the quote that's on the back of the book. And I thought, that's an incredibly generous thing to do. She did not have to do that. And it really makes all the difference in the world because she rarely does something like that. And after reading this, I realized, I mean, have we ever seen a quote on a, J- on, a on a book before from J.K. Rowling? Like one of these little reviews? Uh, Melissa Anelli's book has had, at le- well, she did had she the foreword. The for- she wrote yeah. the foreword. Now that's even more, I, I'd say that's even more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, to write it forward for the book. But yeah, I haven't seen, I'm trying to think where else it would be, like maybe a, a review or something like that. But no, you're used to seeing other people's reviews of her books in her books. You know, it's, it's very odd that she's now reviewing other people's books, but I think it says most about the, the relationship between them. Um, yeah. You know, and, I also yeah, thought it was like this kind of like beautiful circle moment where, you know, back with the first films, Chris Columbus brought her characters to life and now she's like returning the favor helping him i thought that was nice that quote um by the way i have the book right here the quote that she provided the full quote is a breakneck jam-packed roller coaster of an adventure about the secret power of books house of secrets comes complete with three resourceful sibling heroes a seriously creepy villainess and barrel loads of fantasy and fear. And that quote, barrel loads, is actually a reference to the book. I know that already. <laughs> and um, um, the reviews on Amazon are pretty positive, so 
check it out. Yeah, like I said, I've enjoyed reading it thus far. Um, and it's, it's a quick read too. I mean, it is like 450 pages, but I'm reading it really fast. Cool. So that's it for news other than one of the bigger news items, quote unquote, of the, of the past month. Excuse me. Which is that Prisoner of Azkaban released their latest batch of chapters. We got chapters eight through 15. Um, and as usual, what I like to do on Hypable is just go through them and do a breakdown of what's new in each chapter. And chapter eight, we'll go through it in more detail in a second, but chapter eight, um, we got new content from JK Rowling about the Hogwarts portraits, portraits. Chapter nine, there was nothing. Chapter ten, there was new content from JK Rowling about the Marauder's Map. Chapter eleven, new content about gobstones. <clears throat> chapter 12 had this little blurb about dementors and chocolate like it's 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 it says new writing from jk rowling but it's nothing really like new factually speaking hmm. uh chapter 13 new writing about the firebolt and then chapters 14 to 15 there weren't anything so um let's start with chapter 8 there was jk rowling wrote about the hogwarts portraits and this chapter is flight of the fat lady um the degree to which the portraits can interact with the people looking at them depends not on the skill of the painter but on the power of the witch or wizard painted when a magical portrait is taken the witch or wizard artist will naturally use enchantments to ensure that the painting will be able to move in the usual way the portrait will be able to use some of the subjects favorite phrases and imitate their general demeanor thus Sir Cadigan, Sir Cadigan's portrait is forever challenging people to a fight, falling off its horse and behaving in a fairly unbalanced way, which is how the subject appeared to the poor wizard who had to paint him. While the portrait of the fat lady continues to indulge in her love of good food, drink and tip top security long after her living model passed away. So, so this suggests that portraits are done while people are still living as opposed to somebody who might paint a picture of a professor or somebody in the wizarding world after they've passed. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, it seems that they have to be sitting for their portrait. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it kind of makes me think back to Dumbledore. Like you wonder when his portrait was taken or portrait when he sat for his portrait. Mm -hmm. And I also wonder if it's kind of like, (laughs) <laughs> what kind of discussion is that like? All right, it's time to take your portrait. We got to do it before you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as a headmaster, too, because all the headmasters of Hogwarts have, um, you know, a portrait of them. I assume it's fairly standard, right? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So that's that's true. But um, so it was some interesting insight into the personalities because there's always been some questions about how that works. Yeah, and we've always been unsure just how much of the person is in their portrait, you mm-hmm. know, as well. Sort of like um, with ghosts, right? I think we've discussed that to some extent. Yeah, with ghosts, whether they're just sort of imprints of, <laughs> imprint, um, of, you know, their former selves or if they have the memories and, right. and all that. And the books are kind of, you know, vague on that. So it's, it's always been interesting to read about portraits and ghosts. Chapter 10, The Marauder's Map had new content about The Marauder's Map. Um, 
The magic used in the map's creation is advanced and impressive. It includes the homunculus charm, enabling the possessor of the map to track the movements of every person in the castle. And it was also enchanted to forever repel, as insultingly as possible, the curiosity of their nemesis, Severus Snape. So that we already knew, but it dived into a little bit more information. Although the precise circumstances surrounding the makers who lost the map are not given in the Harry Potter novels, it is easy to conclude that they eventually overreached themselves and were cornered by Argus Felch, probably on a tip-off from Snape, whose obsession it had become to expose his arch-rival James Potter in wrongdoing. The masterpiece of a map was confiscated in Sirius, James Remus, and Peter's final year, and none of them were able to steal it back from a well-prepared and suspicious Felch. It sounds like Filch really had a heyday, like a, a, he was on the top of his, you know, he, he somehow acquired the map. Obviously couldn't operate it, but they were outsmarted and the, the Marauders couldn't get it back. So it seems like Filch must have been on the top of his game. Yeah. Even though, like, when we come to meet him in the Harry Potter books, he's, he's kind of past his prime. <laughs> he's just the crazy yeah. old man still running around the school. Yeah. That's an interesting. <laughs> That'd be interesting to see him in his heyday. You you see some of what he really enjoys, I think, in Order of the Phoenix when Umbridge uh, is able to take over. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to imagine him, though, knowing his character now as as being sort of this disciplinarian that was able to do as he saw fit and that he could actually outsmart anybody. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, and, and, I, and the other thing about the Marauders map is that it seems like the map insulted or would have only insulted Severus Snape. Like, that's why it insults him, but maybe I think it was only programmed to insult him. Like, if anybody else tried to get to the map, it would just lay blank and wouldn't lay comments like, greasy git, you know, hooked nose, all that other stuff. I think that was programmed in there just for Snape because the Marauders didn't like Snape. I wonder um, how old he lived to. Who? Filch. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I wonder. Because I'm just reading in a little history here on one of the Wikipedia profiles that he, 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 he came to the school around 1973. So by the time we're introduced to him, mm-hmm. he'd been there for like 20, 25, 30 years already. No kidding. It's going to take him a long time to clean up after the battle. So <laughs> All right, at least he's going to yeah. be employed for a while. But <laughs> these chapters are interesting because they all give you deeper insight into items as opposed to characters. And so I wonder if people are more interested on Pottermore in learning about these different objects as opposed to learning about the characters in the series. I would feel like more people would want to know backstory on characters. That's fair. But then again, I mean, I think the object, the inner, the relationship between these objects and the people is, is pretty strong. Like, it's about the Marauder's map, sure, but who made it? The Marauders. So any more information we get about the map also reflects back on the Marauders. Like their story about bewitching it to get ring, you know, get rid of Snape. And then also the fact that they eventually had to surrender it to Filch. That's more about them. Yeah. No, it's a fair point. I mean, I haven't really spent any time on Pottermore in a, in a while. And, you know, I, I just feel like, unfortunately, what I'll do is, is go and read these articles on Hypable or MuggleNet when they get released and learn about the new content that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, part of me doesn't want to say that because I was initially so pumped for something like Pottermore and for this online community to, to live and breathe 
and have this level of interaction that I don't think we've ever seen before. But it just, I, it, I feel like in a way, with without get being too negative, I feel like a lot of its luster has been lost. Hmm. You Possibly. feel like that's fair to say, or well, yeah. Agree? I mean, yeah. what you need, what you need is the um, PlayStation Home version of Pottermore, <laughs> which is which is really gorgeous. Well, but we've talked about this before. I don't think this is anything like new. You know, it's just the the whole losing the losing its luster sort of thing. I mean, I was thinking back the other day. Remember when everybody was so excited? What's this new Harry Potter announcement from J.K. Rowling? Like, there was this chance for this to like really rock the Harry Potter fandom, and it did. And then, I mean, I'll give you one example with these new chapters to present a new part of this argument here. Chapter twelve is the Patronus. Why don't we get our Patronus? Mm. We get our wands. We got we got sorted. So everybody assumed that we would be getting our Patronus as well. And yeah. it's it's that's disappointed people. I think they're um oh here one person in the hypable comments said maybe the Patronus test will come with Order of the Phoenix. Right when the DA sure. learns to do Patronuses. Yeah. Possibly. But I mean, they, I ha- they like... have a second chance. They're lucky to have a second chance. Yeah, but shouldn't they be doing that sooner rather than later, like the Patronus thing? Because, like, as a student, you learn it earlier When Harry on. learns it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, hmm. anyway. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't, I'm not trying to get down on it because I still think it's a great place to go. And, and I think you get to do a lot of cool things. You lot of, learn a lot of cool information. The other thing for me is does Pottermore have any plans moving forward to release a guide, a calendar as to when they're going to be putting out no. more chapters? No. It, because the whole <laughs> surprise, there's new chapters. I mean, it just doesn't hit people the same way. Whereas I think if they had something tangible, they can know, okay, I'm going to go back in the first month or sorry, the first day of May and I'm going to have new chapters available. I'm going to go back in the first of September. There's going to be new chapters. I just, what no, do you think? No, I don't think, I don't think they'll do that. I right. think it's a fair point though. They, they really should. I mean, something that we can rely on at a time. Are people honestly going to get like be counting down the days until they get to read? Well, they can't now. So how would you know? Right. It's just, it's not an opportunity for people <laughs> yeah, now, or, now. Or put a countdown up for the next the next chapters on Pottermore website. Maybe you have to do something to unlock it. I don't know. And it, and it gives you the, the number of days until the next set of chapters are going to be revealed. I don't, I, I'm not like, I, 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 like, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I, I'm not sitting here being like, Oh, I can't wait until I click, click around like a crazy madman discovering little secrets on these moments again. I can't wait for that. Ooh. Like there's not there's nothing to be excited about to look forward to with Pottermore to count down that's countdown worthy. Well, that's what I mean. Well, but out of the three of us right now who are who are hosting this show, how many of us logged in and uh, and unlocked this information? Well, I only I did. did it because I have to cover it. <laughs> <laughs> and Eric, did you? It's fun to read. I'm too. relying on Andrew's coverage right now. Okay, <laughs> so we're still, we're over. I'm still three. on book one. I'm still on book one. Okay, it's terrible. I realize we, that. we host the Harry Potter show. We have for more than seven years, and yet 
were 0 for 3 in terms of utilizing this platform on a regular basis. Because so they're not three, utilizing J.K. Rowling's next book after Harry Potter. Your point. Come on. <laughs> but they're not utilizing it. That's part of the problem. We, why, yeah. why should we be utilizing it if they're not? There's nothing here, really. There's stuff here. Hard. We're not that hard to please is what I think you're, to, what I think you're all trying to say. Um, we're not hard to please, but they haven't pleased us yet. This just makes everybody want the encyclopedia more. Anyway, let's continue on. <laughs> with, um, did we forget what what did they say about the Patron or about uh, Dementors and Chocolate? Do you have that? Uh, where is it here? Uh, it was liter. It was so brief. I mean, I'll try to pull it up, but it was just okay. a real. It was like one paragraph, and it was just like a summary sort of thing. Um, uh, while I'm looking that up in the Firebolt chapter, there was new content about gobstones. Now this, I mean, this is like a minority sport. Can somebody read that while I'm uh, looking this up? Sure, I'll read this. It's on gobstones, and now I remember gobstones from the books. There's really only a few games people play: Quidditch, gobstones, Wizards, Chess. Professional gobstone players compete in national leagues and international tournaments, but it remains a minority sport. Uh, it remains a minority sport within the wizarding world and does not enjoy a very cool reputation something its devotees tend to resent gobstones is most popular among very young wizards and witches but they generally grow out of the game becoming more interested in quidditch as they grow older so So that's like uh what t-ball and baseball right (laughs) yeah yeah and it was kind of a cool little i mean did you guys remember reading about gobstones i certainly didn't it was always present Right in the background, somebody's always playing gobstones in the courtyard, or mm, yeah, the... there's in the video games also. Oh, okay, that, uh, yeah, that they, yeah, yeah. They have you play gobstones. I think in order to unlock certain uh, achievements or wizard cards or something. Yeah, something along those lines. But I wonder why it didn't enjoy a very cool reputation. It, to me, it almost seems like people who play. And I'm not disrespecting anybody here. I'm I'm just saying I don't know that playing chess or you know sort of professionally carries necessarily a cool reputation with it right uh, yeah i was gonna compare it to checkers <laughs> versus chess. well also um what marbles is a game i mean i would love how to, to learn how to play marbles but that's that's a, like a game too that people play and dominoes is a thing with it has something to do with math so everything is a sport these days okay here's well, the- it's just a cool game to play you know i mean it's cool that this subject is even touched on, I think, by J.K. Rowling again. It, it kind of makes sense because I'm trying to flesh it out. Here's the thing on Dementors and Chocolate. The mood-enhancing properties of chocolate are well-known in both the Muggle and Wizard worlds. Chocolate is the perfect antidote for anyone who has been overcome in the presence of Dementors, which suck hope and happiness out of their surroundings. Chocolate can only be a short-term remedy, however. Finding ways to fight off Dementors or depression are essential if one is to become permanently happier. Excessive chocolate consumption cannot benefit either Muggle or Wizard. <laughs> so it was just a goofy little thing. <laughs> I mean, but that that has the header new from J.K. Rowling. And we're like, mm-hmm. eh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I see your point. I see your point there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the Firebolt thing. New content from J.K. Rowling in Chapter 13, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. Little did the Nimbus designers realize that a racing broom was in development that would knock them from their number one spot within 12 months of its release. This was the Firebolt, <clears throat> a top-secret project developed by Randolph Spudmore, son of 
Abel Spudmore of Ellerby and Spudmore, who produced the Tinder Blast in 1940. So it's just like these little behind-the-scenes pieces of information that obviously had no place in the book, really. Yeah. No, I love this, and I love J.K. Rowling's... We do a um a summary of this on episode... Uh, well, the latest episode of Alohomora, um, which I was able to join as their first weekly episode just aired... And there's about three or four paragraphs about the fireboat. You're right, Andrew. Like, it's just stuff about history. Like, these people, Abel Spudmore, you know, um, Randolph Spudmore, never would ever appear in the book. But her names for brooms always amused me like no other. I mean, Tinder Blast, a Swift Stick yeah. for a broom. It's funny. It's funny, but it's, you know, in terms of um, other content to really back up this kind of backstory – being given it, you know it, it is it is a little it's a desolate wasteland of nothing else besides these facts pottermore so i yeah. made a fireboat once for elementary school i can't remember really? what the assignment was. yeah but i had a, a you broom. ate one or you made I made one, one. <laughs> no. and i painted it gold and i i made a whole box for it and it was so much El- fun elementary school yeah yeah well, it must have been, well, yeah, it could have been as early as, what, 99? So Yeah, even I'll have to try to find it. 11 it? or something. The Firebolt always, like as a kid, that was so exciting to read Harry getting the Firebolt because it's like, wow, this new toy, even though it wasn't a toy, it's, you know, wow, this new, he's so powerful now that he has the Firebolt. It's like us getting a new bicycle. Yeah, no, that's true. And even in the um, Pottermore review of the Firebolt, it says price available upon request, so... She's not giving away or divulging how much the fireball actually costs, mm-hmm. which worries me because it seems like a really expensive broom. I just really like this because it shows her attention to detail and how much she's actually fleshed out the detail, the story, you know, even as something as simple as broomsticks, you know, it, it, it has a history to it that she knows and it's somewhere in her head or it's somewhere written down or in a box somewhere in her house. And this level of detail has been thought through that to me that that's impressive. I wonder if she's making some of this stuff up on the fly. Like they Pottermore people say, Hey, we need something for this chapter. And then she'll like read the summary about the chapter and be like, okay, hmm, what can I give them? And then sometimes as we know, she'll look in her boxes of notes or maybe other times she's like, well, let me write something entirely new. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to hear how her her process with Pottermore works. So then chapters 14 and 15, there wasn't um, really anything new. So um, that's about it for the latest Pottermore chapters. And it seems like we're getting a new batch to answer your question earlier, Micah, about the countdown. Every season, it seems like, four releases a year. So maybe you can look forward to the next chapters in late summer. Yeah, well, I guess. In our concluding uh, thought here about Pottermore here, we uh, we owe our swear jar $5.75. <laughs> For what? Micah has to pay because he brought which up is the low, discussion. Which is, it, it's, it's a low amount. It's lower than I thought it would be. My, Micah has it. to pay. Yeah, he brought up the 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 the, the questions, the negative questions. <laughs> I, I charge myself two dollars for calling it a desolate wasteland. I thought I'm that was surprised though. Nothing in fourteen Snape's Grudge about there was Snape. no backstory or information available there. Yeah, it's That's, just it's really I disappointing could... when you go on a moment and all you have to do is click around to try to find like a galleon 
and that's it. It's like, yeah. why, why, why? Well, yeah. <laughs> you'd think also that they would plan a little bit better from a chapter standpoint. Like, for example, with the Quidditch final, if they're leaving you, they probably want to leave you on a high note, you would think. So they'd want to give you information in that last chapter because it's going to be a long time presumably, until that next set of chapters is released. So why not give you more information in that final chapter? There, you, you have it written here, there's nothing noteworthy. That, to me, doesn't make sense. Hmm. They're leaving on a low note because they haven't presented content right. for two chapters. Right, leave us with something new. So they should have stopped at chapter 13 and then waited to develop more about 14 and 15. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, anyway. And it's now $7.25. <laughs> Mikey, you better pay the man. Let's move on Who's to... collecting? <laughs> um, uh, the CEO, Charlie Redmayne. <laughs> I almost said Eddie Redmayne. That was like, he'll sing to you, but he'll collect your money. Anyway. Let's move on to voicemails now. We have several of them here. So hopefully we can move through these swiftly and intelligently. These voicemails are great, by the way. I did want to thank everybody for um, submitting them. The last month was our highest month of voicemails since we reopened the hotline. Right. Well, people are listening now, and they want to get in on the action. People are doing it. Okay, so here's the first one. Hi, Vumpacast. This is Alicia from Montana. I just wanted to call and say thank you for all the years of podcasting. It's really turned me on to podcasting, and that's how I spend my time at work now is listening to your podcast. So thank you so much for all the years of great commentary. Thanks. Bye. Um, so that was just a thank you. Hmm. Are these all thank yous? We're going to get through these really quick. No, no, no. There are actually <laughs> some. Kidding. There are some good questions in here okay. too, but uh, that the... one was just that one was just gratitude. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that she thanked us all for our great commentary over the years. Clearly, over the years, um, I mean, on on an you episode be or better. two, I'm sure I've had some sort of. <laughs> intelligent analysis or comment. Micah, don't you think on that person's comment one bit, man. All right, here's the next one. voicemail. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hi, Muggle Cast. Greetings from Nashville, Tennessee. This is Matt. While learning the podcast was ending yesterday, I felt compelled to call in and express my gratitude and lament. There you go. There's another gratitude. So thank we, you. Yes, thank you, Matt. We unfortunately lost um, the rest of his voicemail did oh. not come through he had more to say i guarantee it but but it kind of faded out and then i couldn't i don't know if he's in a no signal zone in nashville uh, or something but that was gratitude from from matt so thank you well thanks matt and and definitely call back and leave us a message uh let us know what you had to say okay next one hey Hey, uh so i have a question that's been burning for quite some time um didn't Dumbledore technically have no right to Carry from Sirius. I mean, he had no legal or family connection to the Potters, and technically, Sirius was his godfather. So, wasn't he technically kidnapping Harry by taking him from Sirius? I realize, you know, for the plot of the story, blah, 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 um, love shield, all that. But at the same time, Dumbledore didn't have any rights to take Harry. And do you think if Harry had gotten here, you think he would have risked going after Wormtail after he found out he was a traitor? And how do you think that would have affected the books when he's gone to Azkaban or still be accused as the traitor? What do you guys think? I love the show, and uh, it would be sad when it ends. And Alyssa, by the way, from Colorado. No, it's a good time. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, Alyssa. So, so Alyssa, 
Yeah, go ahead. What point in time is she talking about? I believe it's when Dumbledore sends Hagrid to get Harry from the broken rubble of his parents' house so that Harry can live with his aunt. I guess, I guess the, the question is, wasn't Sirius his legal guardian at that point? Well, I mean, my first thought on that one would be, was Sirius in any sort of, was he capable of taking care of a child at that point? I would argue well, no. I'm, I'm trying to remember, yeah, I'm trying to remember what Hagrid says, and this is in Prisoner of Azkaban, about running across Sirius when he went to get Harry. Because this is, this is, I, from what I recall, there was, a confrontation where um, Hagrid arrived to get Harry and Sirius was there um, and they kind of had words with each other. But I, I think basically, if I remember correctly, Hagrid talked to Sirius about taking Harry to live with his family. And I think Sirius at that point was probably plotting his revenge on Peter right then and there. So I think Sirius must have made the decision that he was in no fit uh, state to um, you know, take care of Harry and that right. he would, he would have given him. I think that's what happened in the book. This could be in Bruce and Raskaban. This could be just in my brain, but I think that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, I believe the line is when he's Dumbledore asks him, where'd you get that motorbike? And he says, borrowed it, Professor Dumbledore, sir. Young Sirius Black lent it to me. Yeah. That was in, um, book one. That's the beginning of book one. So, it seems like there was definitely a dialogue. Sirius is like, here, take this. I won't need it. You got to get Harry off to his aunt. So it seemed like Sirius was in full support of Hagrid taking Harry. Yeah. The the one thing that, that I would question, though, is at this point, Sirius is believed to be the Potter's secret keeper. Isn't he? Yeah. Um, in so fact, Dumbledore, Dumbledore himself gave evidence that Sirius was guilty. So actually, wouldn't Dumbledore have cautioned Hagrid about interacting with Sirius Black. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, right? I, I know in, in the voicemail she said that she realizes that uh, Harry going or not going in this case to his aunt and uncles would have altered the entire course of the story and and obviously things would not have played out the way that they did. The protection wouldn't have been there, but I just wonder with Sirius, she mentioned also would he have gone after Peter Pettigrew and, and then would more information, I guess, have come to light as a result? Uh, you know, again, it, it depends what people believed. I, I think most people believed him to be the secret keeper. And that's why he also went after Wormtail and tried to kill him. He was trying to eliminate all the marauders. It's hard to say. I mean, I don't think Dumbledore at that time would have trusted Sirius with Harry, legal or not, mm-hmm. legal guardian or not. Yeah, exactly. So was, was, yeah, I, he needed a home. Harry needed a home to grow up in, like a steady home. Maybe Dumbledore thought two parents would do him well, even though he knew that the Dursleys probably are obviously not the best family. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he had to have known. He just needed yeah. a steady childhood. And the yeah, Dursley's I mean, home offered that. And a couple days later, I mean, Sirius was in jail. So, yeah. There you go. Maybe Dumbledore had a feeling. <laughs> here's the, I got a feeling. Here's the next voicemail. So, uh, Robert Gamble, I'm calling from Poznan in Poland, across the Atlantic in Europe. And I'm an American from Boston who 
has become a publisher in a language and very much not my own, Polish, and uh, published Harry Potter. Um, each volume sold more than half a million. And I've enjoyed your discussions. Recently, there was a discussion with J.K. Rowling Wright, uh, something again about the uh, Wizarding World and Hogwarts. And without any inside information, my answer is I don't think so. That I think that without the stress of an evil villain like Voldemort who might win, uh, I don't think the um, any any of the uh, stories would have the same kind of tension. So I don't think she's going to go back to Hogwarts aside from filling in with the encyclopedia. Thanks for listening. There you go. So he does not think any other books besides encyclopedia. I agree with that. I, yeah, I think it makes a good case. This is so fascinating to hear, you know, obviously different people from different walks of life, but mm-hmm. I mean, this gentleman from Boston is in Poland working at the publisher that published yeah. the Polish Harry Potter books. Come on. I mean, maybe, that's awesome. Maybe he has insider info. We said that he said insider info is he doesn't think it'll happen. So I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I mean, I don't think anybody truly knows. I don't even think if JK Rowling knows because she knows continues. She continues to rule. She always says, never say never, never say never. She does always say that. It just seems way too surreal for that to happen again, other than the encyclopedia. But this does uh, directly relate to, I guess, our conversation in the last MuggleCast, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. As to whether or not she'll bring a villain back. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big key. You can you can tell stories and about the future, You know what would have happened with Harry's kids, Ron's kids, once they went to Hogwarts. But you'd have to have something compelling there that, you know, and I don't necessarily has to be a, a villain or an evil presence. That's just what we're accustomed to. But uh, I would feel like if anything is written, it would have to be prior to. I just don't think that. Again, though, I think in the last episode, I argued that uh, I, I argued the opposite. So. I think I'm just going to leave it up to J.K. Rowling. If she decides to write something in the future, then she decides to do it. But she's the only one who knows. And Eric, you made a good point. Maybe she doesn't even know at this point. Yeah, I interested that too. I mean, yeah, yeah. who knows, right? I don't think she – she has to feel it. And if she's not feeling it right now, then she probably is leaning towards no. But maybe in a few years, she'll get it. Look, all it's going to take is for her to have a burst of inspiration – that really mm-hmm. gets her writing. That's all it's going to yeah. take. Man, if I were her neighbor, I'd be like that really annoying neighbor. He's like, are you feeling it yet? Are you f- new Harry Potter book today? New You'd Harry be Potter Ned book? Flanders. That'll be I our first be question. Yokely dokely do. That'll be our first question to her during our interview that never happens. <laughs> hey, we're working on that, Andrew. Don't oh, give up hope. Okay. Here's the next voicemail. Maybe it's from Joe. Good afternoon. This is Elvis Dumbledore calling you from Northampton, Pennsylvania. Oh my, gosh. my real name is Manny Aguero. Elvis I'm a impaired Harry Potter fan. I've listened to the audiobooks more times than I can count. I do a fairly good impression of Albus Dumbledore. I thought I'd like to share it with you and hope you enjoy it. Well, good afternoon no. again. <laughs> and remember... If you have to make a choice between what is right and what is easy, remember what happened to a boy who was good and kind and brave. Hope you like that, guys. I do pretty good voice impressions. Whoa. 
you got any Yankee fans among you, I'd give a little John Sterling for you. Ball game over. Yankees win. <laughs> Yankees win. Hope you like that, guys. Thanks. You guys do a great job, by the way. Keep up the good work. <laughs> yeah. What well, was that? <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. I like how we first thought it was a girl. Or my Micah did. Oh, I did too. You did. You're the one who said that. No, Micah said that. I said it. Yeah. You said it. Yeah. Oh. And then <laughs> it turned out to be a guy. Uh, and what was the second voice he was doing? He was doing uh, John Sterling, who is known for his uh, broadcasts of Yankees games, and he does that Yankees win at the end of every game that the Yankees win. Oh, wow. Well, is that thank many you. games, Micah? Uh, over the course of the last, uh, 15 years, I would say so. <laughs> uh, I'm not a fan of his. I think he's a horrible radio announcer, uh, Ooh. but that's besides the point. Yeah, very much well, besides the as point. As a Mets fan, that has nothing to do with it, by the okay. way, I just think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, but, moving but, on. But anyway, the Dumbledore Who sent that in, was... Noah? N- no. No, just some, some guy from, well, Dumbledore, Albus Dumbledore from Northampton, PA. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that's where he relocated after the movies were over. After the witness protection kicked in and he did survive. Here is um, our next voicemail. Hey, Muggle Class. It's Allison from Wisconsin. Um, I was just listening to episode, what was it, 262. And um, you guys were discussing the deluxe anniversary editions or whatever of the new book covers. And... Um, I had recently just seen Jurassic Park 3D, which was amazing, by the way. And it got me to thinking, along with your discussion, do you think they'll do anniversary versions of the movies? And do you think they'll try to do, like, the trend is of putting these in 3D and everything? Um, if they were to do that, would you guys go see it? I think, I don't know, just thinking of it, I think they could do, like, midnight releases and everything. And I think it would be kind of cool to go back to them and dress up and everything, even though I'm in my mid-20s and... I don't know. I'm curious what you guys would, if you guys would attend and what you think about that. So, anniversary editions of movies. Could they happen, Micah? But in 3D was the real question. Wow, that sounded like Eric. Uh, <laughs> anything that Warner Brothers can do to make money, yes. Oh, I would be such surprised. a cynic. I agree. What? I said the same thing, but no, the question was, will there be in 3D also? Would they, well, would they, definitely Hallows Part 2 was available in 3D. Well, that already was, but would you think they would upconvert the way they have upconverted, uh, Jurassic Park into 3D? Did you see well, that, by the way, Andrew? Did you go see that in 3D? I want to. I haven't yet, though, no. It's I awesome. It's really it's good. Really yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of cool scenes that take place throughout the course of the series, but you're talking about taking an entire series and converting it into 3D. Though I don't, maybe some of them were shot in 3D but never released. I, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. Well, but I think on home video, the first, the, the last two films are available in 3D, but only the maybe maybe Half of Princess as well. I'm not sure on that. So six, seven, eight. No, but they're doing that with um, Star Wars. All of Star Wars is going to be converted into 3D. At least Episode One was released last year, and they're planning on doing it with the rest. And then Jurassic Park, these were movies that weren't even ever conceived to be in 3D, and then they're up, they're converting them later for, obviously, bigger I, box office draw. I think they decided, um, yeah, they, they decided to, not that it matters, but they scrapped the plans to re-release episodes 2 and 3 in 3D. Really? Because, yeah, because of the whole, because of the new movies coming out. 
Mm. So, but yeah, those plans have been scrapped for now. But I, I could see anniversary editions happening. I don't think it's going to be soon, though. I could see, like, maybe 25th anniversary after Sorcerer's Stone came out, something like that. Because we're, we're already past the 10-year anniversary, so, like, what would you do? The 15? Like, that's kind of an awkward Yeah, number. and that's in 2016, right? Would be 15, so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think... I don't think they'll be soon. It's a good it's a good question though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say there's always a possibility that that can happen. Yeah. And why not? I mean, I'm sure people are going to go see it if that's the case, but what's the cost too associated with Well, that's why they do it. It's because it doesn't cost anything, really. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, well, the, you know, you're re-releasing an entire film mm-hmm. without making a new movie. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it would cost a little bit to convert it to 3D, but it wouldn't that they would make more money just they would easily make that money back at the box office think of all the new merchandise too harry potter sorcerer's stone 25th anniversary limited edition t-shirt with a lentigraph or lent what do they call this (laughs) lentigraph i don't know (laughs) me neither let's go to the next voicemail I love you guys. This is the best podcast ever. Aww. I'm really sad you guys are ending the show. I cried when I heard the news. Alright, to my question. I know you guys have covered this on the show before, but in Chamber of Secrets, Harry gets stabbed with a basilisk thing. So why didn't the Horcrux and Harry die? You guys said maybe Fox saved him in time, but in the movies, when a Horcrux is stabbed with a thing, it is destroyed immediately. Maybe when Joe had written that part, she hadn't fully figured out what Horcruxes would be. I just wanted to know what you guys thought. By the way, Ben, your impressions of the characters are really good. Now I don't think your voice, you have a shaky voice. Thanks, you guys. Bye. There's a listener who is very upset to hear we were ending the show, but questioning... Yeah, blame blame the Hor- Laura. It's her fault. <laughs> <laughs> but wondering about the Horcruxes. So she said in the book he doesn't what eric did you he doesn't uh what is it it's 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 with the it's a difference between the movie and the book um having to do and jk rowling meant has recently reopened this issue where people are constantly coming up to her and saying hey look why didn't the horcrux that was inside harry spoiler alert sorry um, die when he was stabbed by the basilisk fang way back in book two because the basilisk um, bit him when it died. And her response, J.K. Rowling's response quite recently was, well, Fox got there in time. And so basically because it didn't completely kill Harry, it also didn't completely kill the Horcrux. Maybe it's a little special thing about, you know, again, sharing your soul with a living being. So uh, that's how she got out of it, but in the um the question that the voicemail um girl sent in was that in the films the the Horcrux is destroyed immediately the second it comes even to a new contact with a basilisk fang. It doesn't have anything to do with poison leaking into the you know, maybe kill it. As soon well, as it's stabbed it Harry is a living thing though. That's the difference. The the diary is an inanimate object. Maybe if the basilisk fang went through his scar, it would have been different, but it, it you know, it goes into his arm. And that takes mm-hmm. a while to sort of trickle throughout his system and the poison to actually take effect. That would be my argument. You know, whereas okay. the, the book itself, or sorry, the diary, mm. it's just it's not living, it's not breathing. I mean, you could probably argue against that because of the whole Horcrux thing, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's an immediate impact. And even in the movie, you see, like, the blood start to trickle out of it, and then it finally is destroyed. So there is still some time in between 
when it's stabbed and when the book and Tom Riddle disappear. I don't, I don't know what the right word yeah. is there, but yeah, that, that would be my argument. Okay. I mean, that goes in line with what J.K. Rowling was saying, that Fox arrived in time to prevent both Harry from dying, but also the Horcrux inside him. Right. Next voicemail. Hey, Mellowcast. This is Mercedes Olivas. Uh, I'm from El Paso. And I'm just wondering if you guys have ever heard the song called Long Live by Taylor Swift. I just think it's the perfect song to describe the Harry Potter phenomenon for all the fans. I don't know if you guys are a fan of her, but I still think it's a good song to just take a listen to. I love the show, and I hope you guys do well in the future. Bye. All right. Long Live by Taylor Swift. Uh, saying it relates to the Harry Potter books. I said, remember this moment in the back of our mind. The time, the time we, st- we stood with our shaking hands. The crowds and stands went wild. We were the kings and the queens, and they read our names. Yeah, I could see the it. The night you danced like you knew our lives would never be the same. You held your head like a hero on a history book page. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Well, I'm sure Taylor Swift is a Harry Potter fan. I mean, she's, she's our age. She's a, she's practically a kid. She grew up with the Harry Potter books, so maybe, maybe she was inspired. Maybe it'll be our new theme song. Could that be. should be our ending music. <laughs> no. Long no. Live. You don't want to end eight years of podcasting with a Taylor, Taylor Swift song? Oh, you mean the August episode. I thought you were talking about this episode. Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 the August one. It was the end of a decade, but the start of an age. And No, we, we probably have a more appropriate song we can play. Yeah. Like the final countdown. (laughs) Oh, God, no. Here's the final voicemail today. Hello, MuggleCast. My name is Lyndon. I've been listening to you guys for about almost two years now, and I had a question. If you can make any attraction at the Wizarding World, what um, what kind of attraction would you make and why? Thanks, guys. I really like the show. Thank you. Um... That's a rough, that's a hard question. If you could have any attraction be built at the Wizarding World theme parks, what would it be? Um, I'd have them add a goat to the hogshead. <laughs> no, uh, no, that is a great question. I mean, it, are we talking just attraction or just a, a ride? How about anything. Let's I, just say anything. Yeah, ride, shop, anything. restaurant. They're all attractions. I, you know, I would. Uh, this is hard. I, I, I love the Wizarding World in Orlando. I love to just sit in the center of it with a mm-hmm. butterbeer or a strongbow and yep. just take in the view and, uh, I would like, I, I, I mean, this is kind of a cop out. I would like the Hogwarts Express because that's <laughs> a, that's a ride. It's a train ride. Yeah. So the fact that you're actually going to be able to ride it is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and for me, I mean, I was relieved when the news story came out that, that there would in fact be a Gringotts minecart roller coaster type experience because to me, that's the, it, it may be the most obvious choice you can make if you have a Gringotts bank. But, um, in the books, that's just such a sense of fun and excitement going down beneath Gringotts, having to take this breakneck ride, um, you know, just to get your money out. But there's also like dragons and stalactites and stalagmites. So I'm all over the the Gringotts thing. And I have to say, even though that, again, it may be a cop out because they're making it, but 
that I'm easy to please. Like that is what I was looking forward to the first time. And I'm glad that they may be building that now. For me, uh, it would be cool for them to make Hogwarts more accessible. I think, you know, you go in there now for the forbidden journey ride, but I feel like they could do more from an interactive standpoint. You know, if you were able to walk around to different classrooms or have people in there actually role playing, uh, and acting as different characters, uh, you know, just, just so you get more of the experience, I think, you know, take you out of that theme park world, kind of what Andrew was saying before, you know, you sit around and you take it all in, but I don't know if you always feel like you're immersed in the world because, you know, there's, there's so many people around and, you know, it, it is commercialized to some extent, but, you know, open up Hogwarts, you know, add a whopping willow, have you be able to walk underground and into a shrieking shack. I, I don't know, just different things to make the world come alive a little bit more. Something where you ride on brooms would be cool as well. Cause that's another thing that's like so beloved in the Harry Potter books. I know in the Forbidden Journey ride, there's kind of a scene where you're over the Quidditch pitch and I guess there you're supposed to be like flying on a broom. But if there was an actual ride where you like mount on a broom and it, you somehow fly, I can't imagine how that would work. But, um, yeah, cause Forbidden Journey, you're, you're technically on a broom, right? I mean, theoretically, right. you're on an enchanted bench. No, I know that. I'm saying though, but you're supposed to be on a broom following Hermione. Initially, no, you're right? literally on an you're literally on an enchanted bench. Like that's what they say. Oh, huh. okay, that makes no sense. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you you haven't read the portraits though. In the beginning, they 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 mention that there's enchanted but like the benches and then the it's it's like a um yeah I don't know the logic behind it, but it is introduced in the little videos leading up to the ride. So there we have MuggleCast episode 264. Thanks to everybody. Whoa, 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 hang on. Way too soon. Way too soon. What? That's the end of our voicemails. Let us remind people what number they call to provide voicemails. Oh, well, okay. I was getting to that. Huh? What's the number? The number is 323-984-8547. Okay. (laughs) And also, you can visit the MuggleCast website mugglecast.com we got the twitter we got the facebook we got the tumblr and i also want to give a plug for my new podcast on hypable called hype it is our general entertainment podcast we talk harry potter we talk the hunger games we talk divergence we talk um basically anything that's discussion worthy and we do it in a way that's fun it'll make sense to everybody so i know maybe you're not a fan of let's say i don't know maybe you like on the most recent episode we spoke about the vampire diaries they're doing a spin-off called the originals we only spend a couple minutes on it so it's not like we have these in-depth discussions on everything we have in-depth discussions on what interests most people like the catching fire trailer we spoke about that on the most recent episode but we do this in a way that it'll appeal to everybody because we inform you about everything, so you're not going to be left in the dark about anything in particular. So, Would you describe – have you read Divergent? Yes. Would you describe it as like a girl's book or – No, no, think? no. It's a dystopian novel. Okay. Uh, it, Lionsgate, the studio that's turning the book into a movie, wants it to be the next Hunger Games uh, in okay. terms of popularity. And it seems to be it, – it is really popular. So um, we'll see. It could be the next Hunger Games. Give the book a try. It's it's not it's not bad. I wouldn't say it's as good as the Hunger Games, but it's not bad. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so visit hypable.com and you can at right at the top, it says hype and you can click get episode six of our new podcast. And you can also subscribe through iTunes and just how you do this show. I wanted to promote the MuggleNet family of Harry Potter podcasts, which includes this show, um, as well as MuggleNet Academia, which is held with uh, Keith Hawk and uh, the Hogwarts professor John Granger, as well as uh, we mentioned this a little earlier in the show. Um, Micah <laughs> was just on Alohomora. Um, which is MuggleNet's uh, chapter by chapter global reread of the Harry Potter series, currently on book three. Um, and I have actually joined uh, that panel. I hope I get better feedback than Micah did um, on that panel. But uh, over at uh, MuggleNet.com, you can sign up and and give it a listen. And it it tends to be pretty in depth stuff about each chapter of the Harry Potter series. So that's worth it's worth a listen. Yeah, and both of those shows, I believe, will be live at Mysticon, which is coming up in just a few weeks, right? Not too think, far from yeah, now. I believe so, yeah. Um, and then Game of Owns is a podcast if you're into the Game of Thrones series with HBO, and Micah and I are both on that panel as well. Yeah, right. it's uh, for anybody who's interested, we talk the TV show as well as the book series, and we're in full swing into season three. Uh, of Game of Thrones. So uh, we release on a thrice weekly basis, which may sound like a lot, but it's a lot of goodness for your ears. That's how I like to describe it. And, uh, <laughs> your goodness okay. for your ears. We just uh, we just actually had Kat Taylor, who was the assistant to the two HBO producers, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, on the show on Friday. And uh, it was a great opportunity to speak with her learn more about what goes on behind the scenes so a lot of fun going on over there as we always uh, like to throw out there it is a little bit more adult content in nature uh, than mobile cast and, and some of the other shows we do so just want to uh, make people aware but if you're interested in game of thrones give it a listen thanks everybody for listening we'll see you next time for episode 265 goodbye with jk rolling <laughs>